Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. We are a millennial movie movement, and we are treating you with the millennial perspective. I, of course, am your host and the leader of the movement, Becky Teller. And if you thought that spooky season was over just because Halloween was over, you're wrong. (laughs) Spooky season is an all-year-round affair for me and my household, so... What better way to remind you than with a Friday the 13th immediately in November? And I could not think of a better interview to pick than today's uh, because, one, we're talking Bride of Frankenstein, and two, I sit down with a good friend of mine, an old school friend of mine, Anthony Kanatica, who is a makeup artist in the biz, and so he knows a lot about makeup and especially considering Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Now, this was an interview that I did in December of 2019, again with my good friend Anthony Kanatica. And if you don't know Anthony's work, definitely look him up. He has been involved with projects such as The Joker. He's done work for The Irishman. He's done work for Heidi Klum's Halloween costumes. So he knows what he's doing. And he was gracious enough to take time during the holiday season to come and visit me and do this quick little interview. Well, maybe not quick, but definitely a good time had by all. Uh, Having a glass of whiskey and reminiscing on classic Hollywood films. So without further ado, my interview with Anthony Kanatica about his favorite film, Bride of Frankenstein. Enjoy! Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. everybody, and welcome back to Scopophilia, the podcast, bringing everything movies to you. I'm so excited because I have one of my favorite old friends with me, Anthony Kanatica. Hey, how's it going, Becky? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. All the way up from Georgia, took time to sit and talk to me, which I'm so excited to see you, first of all. I'm trying to think of, like, when was the last time I actually saw you? The last time we saw each other, I really think it was when we went to go see, when we went to Olive Garden for... Shelby's birthday, and you and Selima oh, paid God. for it, and I didn't chip in at all. And you're like, are you really not going to help pay for her? I was like, no, what, am I going to throw in $3? No, right. you guys pay for it. Thank you for inviting me, though. <laughs> well, always good times, oh, yeah. at least. It was either that or um, or the weird like five-year reunion thing that they did. Were you, you were that, that, right? I'm, I'm sure I was if I was around. Okay. <laughs> I've been to a few reunions. Yeah. The year doesn't, I don't remember. That's true. Yeah, because it was, um, so Anthony and I went to high school together, Gloucester County Institute of Technology in South Jersey. Go Cheetahs. Yeah, (laughs) go Cheetahs. Um, And now you are, what is your exact title? Do you have Uh, an exact title? Yeah, well, right now I work uh, at Blue Whale Studios. Mm -hmm. I guess my official title would be like silicone technician, shop manager, or like a, like a, a mold maker. Okay. So those, mostly those two things. I, I make a lot of molds and run all the silicone. 
That's so cool. <laughs> well, and most recently you worked on The Irishman. Yes, that was actually, though, I still lived in New Jersey. That was when I was working, managing a prosthetic renaissance run by Mike Marino. Very cool. Very cool. I'm, and again, I said this to you when you came in. I'm like, as your friend, I'm so proud of you. And as a person, I'm so jealous of you because you're doing all these really amazing things. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, whenever somebody messages me, I'm like, I'm always taken aback. Yeah. If anybody's like, oh, I like they can remember me from high school. They're like, oh, you said you were going to do this, and now you're doing it. Like, that's awesome. Like, oh, thank you. But yeah. it's it's still a job. I still wake up and go, oh. like, I'm never once, like, at 5.30 in the morning, like, yes, I have to go to work. <laughs> it's always like, oh, it's the, the thing I have to do. Yeah. But I, I really do love it. I have a lot of fun. I laugh. and it's good. Have a good time. I get a lot of freedom to kind of try new things. And that's awesome. Explore new limits. Yeah. And if I mess up, which is often, they, they really don't give me too much of a hard time. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's that's the goal, right? I think that's what we're all reaching for is a job where, like... Yeah, it doesn't feel... You're like, oh, sweet, I got paid again? Yeah. <laughs> I suckered them again, babe. I got another paycheck. <laughs> so you're living in Georgia. You're mm-hmm. doing this amazing work. Thank and you. And you just so happened to be in the area mm-hmm. for the holidays. Yep. And I said, Anthony, will you please come on my show? And you were gracious enough to say yes. Oh, I'd love to. I, I love. Uh, <laughs> I love talking. I love meet, like hanging out with old friends. Yeah. And so I, I said, "What's your favorite movie?" And you gave me a couple, all well, of which I loved. That's that's a hard question. Yeah. Like, you're like, I need a movie that we can talk about for two hours. I'm like, <laughs> I can talk about anything for two hours. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think a lot of people who come on here are like have that brief pause of like, should I pick something intellectual or something that I just really enjoy? If I've ever given the like the inclination that I'm an intellectual, I apologize. <laughs> uh, so you had said things like The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. I think you picked Chucky. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you had decided on Bride of Frankenstein, which yes. I got to say I was super excited it's about. It's one of the very few movies I think are perfect. Yeah, definitely. When I was watching it today... I actually did a paper for my master's of, like, females in science fiction movies. And mm-hmm. I had mentioned, like, Metropolis. And I touched on, like, Bride of Frankenstein. But I hadn't seen, like, the whole movie altogether, which I'm a little ashamed of. But I've seen it now, so it's fine. <laughs> um, she's actually on my desk, too. I have her, uh, I have her oh. day coupon. Oh, yeah. On Elsa Lancaster. Yeah. Very, I have that. That's exactly what I have on my arm. I know. That she, exact photo. She's so beautiful. She is. So iconic. So what? I mean, so you think this movie is perfect, and I'm inclined to agree with you. It, was there other factors in thinking, like, yeah, this is the movie that I want to talk about? Uh, well, I wanted to make sure, like, because my first, like, I mentioned Child's Play. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was movies that other people can relate to, not necessarily movies that I just like, mm-hmm. that I grew up with. Because it's like, there's certain movies, I like, I could watch Dumb and Dumber <laughs> every single day until I die. Right. But I'm not going to subject other people to watching that. <laughs> talking about it right i don't think it's as interesting mm-hmm. uh also i think it has a lot to do with just movie history as a whole mm. there's so much that went into it like first of all james whale the director is a hollywood's first openly gay director exactly. which in the 1920s crazy unheard of yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> literally just quite like, literally unheard of yeah and uh and didn't hurt him he he also directed the invisible man he mm-hmm. did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man. Yeah. And you see anybody who, like, just lives life the way they want to, or, like, they don't make any concessions, they're just, at the very least, you admire somebody like that. Oh, absolutely. Even if you don't agree with them, or you wouldn't, like, I wouldn't do it exactly that way. At the very least, you're like, man, I wish I had that kind of courage. Yeah. No, Um, absolutely. 
And he just, everything he did was 100% the way he wanted to do it. They even, like, try to censor a lot of Bride of Frankenstein. Like, yeah. Like, oh, you're too sexy. Like, <laughs> she's covered in a sheet. What do you mean <laughs> she's too sexy? It's like, no, it's too much. It's too scandalous. <laughs> well, and, like, even when, like, I'm going way farther, though, in the, the 1950s, he he really lived on his own terms all the time, which I I, I aspire to do. I, I hope that I do that. Like, I do the same thing with, like, tattoos. People are like, oh, what are you going to I People don't know me. I have at least 30. Nice. They're like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, what, like, you're not going to get a job. Like, oh, what? I, I, I won't get hired at Starbucks. I think I'll live because <laughs> I, I have visible tattoos. I'm yeah. going to do other stuff. Um, but he, like, he would have strokes, and he was being taken care of by, like, you know, his partner. Mm-hmm. And he finally was, like, he drowned himself in his own pool. Like, yeah. how gangster is that? <laughs> he went out on his own terms. I'm not I'm not saying you should kill yourself. No, but, but it's like, one way to go. I, people who, like, take charge of their own lives, super admirable, super attractive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, and I think everybody else, in some respect, like, admire it and are even jealous sometimes mm-hmm. that people who can do that. Well, and I think, especially in his case, there was definitely a feeling of, like, he was in a lot of pain and he was suffering and, like, losing mobility and stuff, Yeah, too, he's not right? in control anymore. Like, I want to be in control. If I'm not in the driver's seat of my own life, <laughs> no thank you. Right. Life is, does it really matter when you die if you're 20 or right. 40 or 80 in the grand scheme of eternity? Does it yeah. matter? <laughs> when you, you know, like, I want to be in control. If if I need, like, like again, I talked about pooping myself. Right. Um, like, my... Days of other people wiping me are behind me. Yeah. They're done. Those <laughs> Not days, going back. Yeah, there was a season for it when I was a baby, and it's done. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. I'd rather just be, like, with God or in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a pleasure talking to you again. Oh, yeah. This is, it's just like, old, I haven't seen you in at least a year. I know. It's wonderful. It's been crazy. So I have my notes with me. Wonderful. couple things. Um. So, well, so first of all, I want to ask you a question because so I go to tattoo convention almost every year in Mm -hmm. Philly. Right. And the last time I was there, they were doing um, like side by side, heart shaped bride and monster tattoos Mm -hmm. that like you got like on both arm or both leg, whatever. And the one thing that like really stuck out to me was because there was a lot of like them together, like born to love you or like made for each other does that piss you off because like they hate each other because they hate each other yeah actually it does Well, it doesn't piss me off. I would say that I, anybody, if I saw a picture that said, like, a t-shirt with Frankenstein's monster and the, the bride, mm-hmm. and it said, like, made for each other, I'd be like, you never saw the movie. Right. You don't know what you're talking You're a poser. I would just, I would dismiss <laughs> that person. Like, you're a poser. There's a reason why I have the bride of Frankenstein and not Frankenstein's monster tattooed on me. Oh, why? Is that, like, just because Because they don't like want to be her. next to each other. <laughs> no, it's so true. <laughs> She doesn't. She despises him. She abhors him. She's afraid of him. Yeah. She doesn't want to be around him, and he knows that. And he like uh, that's another thing. I think is a timeless thing. Like I'm sorry to derail. A no, little. please do. We all. Everybody knows. It's a universal theme. Everybody knows what it's like to be rejected. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what it's like to you know feel misplaced or unloved or misunderstood. Yeah. Everybody can understand that at least to some capacity. Mm-hmm. 
Like I, I can understand. I, I like to think I'm a pretty good looking guy. There are no shortage of women who have not reciprocated my feelings. <laughs> and it's universal. It's it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. It's right. good to recognize those feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's totally okay that like, it's okay to be like, I like you. Eh, I'm not so hot on you. Like, right. Okay. That's cool. At least you're honest. It, I, well, she was super honest. She just <laughs> screamed. But and yeah. hissed. Yeah. So, so I I don't know if anger would be my first thought, but if I saw a girl like wearing that or like anybody like with that t shirt, like, yeah. true love. I'm like, you don't know you didn't see that movie, man. Yeah. You're a poser. Yeah. You well, just like universal horror, but you don't have exactly the intellectual know how to like sit down and put two hours to a movie. Yeah. Well and it's not, not even, even seventy five minutes. Exactly. It's an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, and like I was thinking that same thing of like um, as I'm like walking around, I'm seeing like all this imagery and I see it a lot online too, of like made for each other. And it's like, she sees him for two seconds and starts screaming like every other person in the movie who sees him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they weren't, they were made for each other. Yes, but they didn't like each other. Well, it's no different than like people who talk about like Romeo and Juliet is the oh, greatest yeah. love story. Like, <laughs> did you read Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> it's a terrible love story. Is, they both die. They both die, and neither one of them, they were infatuated, they were obsessed, they mm. were angry. Maybe they weren't lust. in love. Yeah. In the very beginning, he's like, oh, Rosalind, oh, Rosalind. Mm-hmm. He's not even, he just wants somebody to be in love with, to be infatuated with. He's a romantic, yep. privileged kid <laughs> who just wants tragedy. They just It's the same way that you like go to the store and you see the same friends that you always see, and they're like, oh my God, you're not going to believe how my life is going. Even if it's perfect, even if it's right. like, no problem, like, oh, I had to deal with this. And I, people want to complain. People want to like, it's weird. We love to be challenged. We want to be challenged, mm-hmm. but intellectually we don't. We'll yeah. go to any level to not be <laughs> challenged. And yeah. then it leads to like every, like it just leads to like a depression. Cause you look back and you're like, man, I didn't do anything this week. I <laughs> sat my ass down. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you still get some people and they're like, oh yeah, I built this business. Yeah. And I worked this, I worked a hundred hours this week and they feel great. Even though mm-hmm. they had, they were challenged because we want to be challenged. So I, yes. I guess the point I was making is people want conflict in their life and drama. That's why yeah. so many TV shows are as popular as they are. Yeah. And I think that's no different than Romeo and Juliet, where he's like, I just, I, I they're, they're unhappy because they have ultimately very easy lives. So they like look for avenues like water flowing down. Right. You know, overflowing <laughs> a drain, trying to right. find something like just some kind of avenue. Like, please let me have conflict. Please right. let me exist and feel the way that other people feel. Yeah. And it's silly because then he's like, I love Rosalind. Oh, who's this chick? Yeah, she'll do. Yeah. I'll stab. I'll drink poison for her. Yeah, exactly. It's like you barely know each other. It's, it's ultimately of two unhappy people who look yeah. for a reason to kill themselves. I think is a much better <laughs> synopsis. synopsis than the greatest love story ever told between a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> do you think if Frankenstein's monster had been had been pretty, do you think he would have killed anybody? I think you would have been uh, more palatable to the villagers, for well, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we all have that. Yeah. Well, I was wa- so I was watching it this time because, I mean, spoiler alert, the bride isn't even in it until, like, the, the last, what, end. 10 minutes, yeah. if that. And so most of it is, like, following Frankenstein's monster after he's almost been burnt alive. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, trying to communicate with people of, like, I'm hurt and need help. <laughs> and everyone's screaming at him. Yeah, and, they like, hate him. Oh, and it, it breaks my heart, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a reason why they didn't hire, like, like Brad Pitt to play the, the, the role they got. <laughs> you know, Boris Karloff even had, like, 
missing teeth from smoking so much that he would take out his dentures and his one side, his, his left side was like super sunken in. Oh, wow. And Jack Pierce, the guy who did the makeup, mm-hmm. he admitted like the reason, the reason why we have Frankenstein the way we all know him is because of Jack Pierce. Mm-hmm. He was a, a makeup artist. He did, he's from a Greek immigrant and he did like the Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, Brad Frankenstein, you name it. Like, yeah. In the, the 1920s and the 1930s. And he built that up every single day from scratch using cotton and latex and rigid collodion. So much that it took so long to get him in and out of the makeup that Boris Karloff literally went to the hospital to see his daughter born during the filming of Bride of Frankenstein. And there's pictures of him holding this little baby in his hands and his face is all green and covered in makeup because it took so long every day. It was like seven hours. Well, so I watched the Bride of Frankenstein today. Mm -hmm. And then I watched the little mini doc of uh, She's Alive which talked a little bit about that. And they were saying that, like, in the first, you know, Frankenstein itself, there was so much that went into his makeup and everything, like, his costume was padded and he had these heavy leaded shoes. And so, like, he had this, like, uh, like leaning board that mm-hmm. he used to sit in and, like, drink tea, like, in between sets because oh, yeah. he was still, like, real bogged down by it. Like, even in Bride of Frankenstein, where he was like, nope, I need this board because I did your first movie and so I'm going to have this board. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I guess the point that I was making was uh, whether or not he's like supposed to be pr- or he'd be better off pretty. Right. I don't think that was Jack Pierce's um, overall direction that he was going in. It was more of like Dr. Frankenstein would be a little more crude and they would mm-hmm. just cut off the top of his head and put the new brain in and like just patch it so it would be flat. And right. I want there to, it was more of like a, this happened, therefore mm-hmm. this happened. So like we would need to remove the brain or add a brain. Therefore, the head is flat. Right. You would need, like, some kind of, like, CPU, like, like a electric shock to bring him to life. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he has bolts on the side of his neck. Right. Um, I don't know if he ever thought about him being pretty, because, honestly, uh, Frankenstein's, you know, Dr. Frankenstein was more concerned with making, reanimating dead tissue than he was creating, like, a model. Right. But that's an interesting thought that like would Frankenstein's monster would have been would he would he have been better off if he had just been a little more like easy on the eyes? Yeah. You know, like, like <laughs> if that anti, had been a thought process. Anti history is like endlessly fascinating. Yeah. You know, like the entire fate of Western civilization rests on the length of Cleopatra's nose. Because yeah. if Cleopatra had a long nose and was less pretty, mm-hmm. Mark Anthony wouldn't have jeopardized the Roman Empire for right. her. Therefore, Rome would have never fallen. Therefore, all these other things would have never <laughs> happened. And America would never exist mm-hmm. if she had, like, an ugly news. Right. <laughs> it's just that I was thinking about it because, I mean, from from our perspective in the easy chair, on, on this side of the camera, I think it's, it's easier for us to go, oh, the monster is a really sympathetic character because he's an outsider. He's looking for acceptance. But in the movie, everyone is against him because they're like, you're so ugly and horrifying yeah. to look at. And you're an abomination. Everything about you is Yeah. Wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, it's more of a tragedy, really, than a mm-hmm. horror. Like, I never felt scared watching that movie. Yeah. I mean, if you're a kid, you watch it. It's not scary. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah. Even when he finds the, like, the blind man who just wants a heat. Like, he, that man's Frankenstein, every, like, Frankenstein's monster every bit as much as Boris Karloff is. Yeah. He's like, a ple- like God, please. I'm so lonely. I'll settle right. for anything, anybody. I want a friend. I need some kind of companionship. Anybody. The first he shows him, he introduces him to like smoking cigars. Yeah. And playing music for him and well, like, teaching cooking him food. Words. Yeah. 
everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's because they they both, in a very real sense, are the same. Yeah. And immediately, no sooner than they meet and connect, two guys just show I up. Know. Two to- normal guys are like, <laughs> we should ruin this. Right. <laughs> Darn white guys oh, coming yeah. in and ruining everything. Yeah. But <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Just no, just reckless abandon in everything yeah. we do. It's so sad, and it breaks my heart. There's that scene where he's in the house for the first time, and he's laying down, and the the blind guy is like, thank you, God, for bringing someone. And there's, like, that single tear that goes down Boris Karloff's cheek, and I'm just like, oh! Our Father, I thank thee, that in thy great mercy thou hast taken pity on my great loneliness, and now out of the silence of the night hast brought two of thy lonely children together and sent me a friend to be a light to mine eyes and a comfort in time of trouble. Amen. Yeah, I would highly recommend that movie to anybody who hasn't seen it. Because it's, it's, you think of like universal horror films. Mm -hmm. Horror has a very loose term. Yeah. This is, it's horrific, but not in the sense that you're like scared. It's horrific because like, look at how we treated a sentient being (laughs) who just wanted acceptance, who did not ask to be born or created. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask. To, he doesn't know any better. He's mm-hmm. pretty much a toddler that you drop in a monster's body. Yeah. And people are like, don't like it. <laughs> burn it with fire. Burn it. Burn it. <laughs> and even when he learns English, he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. Yeah. He's like, nope. We've all, the consensus is you're not fine. You need yeah. to go. <laughs> well, and it's so, uh, I mean, this movie is just so incredible. One, I mean, even from just a technical aspect, like the lighting in this film is just so beautiful. Yeah. It's so, the use of like light and shadow was something that like was really sticking out to me from start to finish. You're, yeah, because they were very severe, like they were severely limited in what they were able to accomplish. Even like, I think at the time, rolls of film only lasted 11 minutes. Yeah. Like you couldn't do anything. Yeah. And that was like kind of the, when, film became more mainstream and it was like the end of the the German impressionist mm-hmm. movement like if you look at like Nosferatu mm. Dr Caligari oh Dr Caligari um <laughs> uh, even like Le Voyage dans la Luna the, the, mm-hmm. the voyage to the moon yeah mm-hmm. you look at those like it's kind of for people who the Babadook you watch oh, that new movie yeah, that's yeah. totally a love letter to German impressionist <laughs> yeah. film where it's a lot of contrapasto, a lot of dark and stark light. Yeah. You know, contrasting with each other and a lot of like doors that aren't shaped like doors. But even like Tim Burtony is very German impressionistic, yeah. like, very like narrow door at the bottom, but it gets really Big wide at the top. top. And like buildings that are impossibly structured yeah. that <laughs> would never hold up to the scrutiny of any kind of weather yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> but for whatever reason, you look at it and you're like, it, it's so primal you just fall in love with it you go oh my god like it's just more of like the uh and it was because they were so poor it was all paper sets yeah it wasn't even necessarily on purpose it was just like here is the you know yeah beginning of a building this is yeah. the like quick brush stroke mm-hmm. of what a door looks like or what fire looks like or yeah. really anything yeah and the the top hats they would have is really long thin top hats and like nobody would wear that right <laughs> Well, and, like, there's that scene where um, the monster's going through the graveyard and, like, he just is, like, tearing things apart because he's so mad. Mm-hmm. And that that whole backdrop is fake. Yeah. 
And I was watching, I was watching the documentary afterwards and they were like, yeah, like all of that was like in a studio. And I was like, oh, I believed that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, they just don't, they don't make movies like that anymore. Cause I feel like with, with this film, there was like so much thought that went into every aspect. Well, on top of the fact that there were people, they were limited back then. They mm-hmm. didn't have the opportunity to do like CGI like people have now mm-hmm. or like, oh, we'll get it. We'll fix it in post. Like, yeah. That wasn't. Not an option. Yeah, that was not an option. <laughs> no such thing. Like, you mean post where we glue the movie together right. by hand with scissors? <laughs> a little bit of paste on there. Yeah, like that, it, it just didn't exist. Yeah. So it forced you to be more proactive in your preparation yeah. for what you were going to do. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. I, I, I watched that. And like, another reason, like, obviously I'm a little bit biased. I work as a prosthetic makeup artist. Yeah. So I CGI definitely has its, its place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's more of a, a side dish. It should be rice. It shouldn't be the main course. the main course. Yeah, because no matter how good it is, your brain recognizes. I'd rather watch cheesy f- practical effects than decent. Oh, me too. CGI because your brain knows when something's real. Mm-hmm. We even you could watch Reanimator. You could watch the thing. Although I th- uh, the thing remake that John Carpenter did, where mm-hmm. Rob Bottin did the, those makeups are amazing. Yeah albeit cartoony or unrealistic, mm-hmm. they're, you believe it because you, exactly. your brain knows that it's real. Your eyes look at that and it translates and you go, I'm looking at something real yeah. on camera yep. as opposed to like somebody interacting with like a silver ball that's later turned into post-production as like some animated monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally, I, I totally agree. Um, and that, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love Guillermo del Toro so much is mm-hmm. he uses a lot of those like practical effects costumes yeah. mm-hmm. with Doug Jones. Oh yeah. And they're so gorgeous. <laughs> and you, and again, you, your brain is like, that's a real person. Like I see yeah. that. All the Guillermo del Toro movies, they're, they're beautifully shot. Oh my gosh. If you look at like Pan's Labyrinth, beautiful. Oh. Hellboy, the, like what Steve Wang and Matt Rose were able to do on that. And, um, Steve Wang mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. It's so far beyond any level that I've ever hoped to leap reach. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> I just, I mean, granted, I could go on about him forever. But yeah. you're here to talk about the Bride, Bride of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> so what, let me let me start here. What's your favorite part of the movie? Um, I, My favorite part is when he meets the uh, the, the blind guy. Yeah. Because like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. like, he... It's almost like a baby, right? Use your words. He has so many ideas, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to articulate them. Yeah. And that thing is heartbreaking to me where he, he sees something. And again, he sees like the bride and he, if you could ask him, like, if you could look into his brain, it mm-hmm. would say like, I'm feeling elite, like overjoyed that there's somebody else like me. Yeah. I feel, you know, turned on that I see like a woman, like finally somebody right. like I can relate to. Somebody who knows what it's like to be reanimated flesh, mm-hmm. put together by cadavers. And he has all these thoughts, but he can't put them into words. So it just comes out as like grunts and moans. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think that does a, a brilliant job of, you know, you because he wants to just crawl out of his skin and scream yeah. with, with intent, but no words. Yeah. Uh, I, love, I love those two scenes. That is great. And when he finally like tells... Dr. Frankenstein and his love. He's like, you go, you yeah. know, and he's like, you stay. Yeah. To Dr. Pretorius. He's like, you know, like, we, we belong, belong dead. dead. Love, like, hate living, <laughs> love dead. Yeah. 
What more do you need? Like, that should be on a t-shirt. Yeah. Not the two of them, like, two true love made yeah. for each other. No. It should That's, be the two of them, and then it says, it we belong say, dead. Yeah, we belong dead, or <laughs> love, like, hate living, love dead. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the more you boil down um, dialogue, the more, you know, concentrated it becomes, the more direct it is. And you're like, what is he really saying? And yeah. you boil it down to hate living. Like, okay, I yeah. got it. <laughs> Totally relate. <laughs> I don't need some soliloquy. I don't need you to go into detail. Yeah. Same thing. Love dead. Like I don't need it anymore. I yeah. got it. Those two words. Well, and the um. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. The the other doctor's name, not Frankenstein. Doctor Pretorius. Pretorius. Thank you. I knew it was like some frilly sounding name. <laughs> Doctor Pretorius. Uh, I think he says he says that line, and then Doctor Pretorius is like you're much wiser in your generation or something like that. Like he, he gets the thought process, but like not quite. Cause he, I think Dr. Pretorius is thinking in terms of like, we're going to make several people like you, or you're going to be the next phase of like human evolution. Yeah. And Frankenstein's like, no, people suck. Yeah. <laughs> and he even sees like, you stay. Yeah. He's like, you'll blow us to atoms. Like that's kind of the idea, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we're not leaving this castle. Yeah. I'm taking you out. Yeah. I want <laughs> I might be stupid, but I know this switch yeah. is, is a game changer for you. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was funny, and it didn't even occur to me until afterwards. There In in Bride of Chucky, there's that whole scene with, oh, yeah. with Bride of Frankenstein when um, Jennifer Tilly is in the tub, and she's watching the movie. And it's, it's a clear shout-out between the two of them of, like, what's going on here. But I thought it was funny because you had mentioned Child's Play. It's, yeah, it all well, kind of interconnected. Bride of Chucky, obviously, the name is just a total ripoff. Of oh, absolutely, Bride of <laughs> Frankenstein. But it's brilliantly done because if you watch Bride of Frankenstein, really, she's Frankenstein's monster, and he's Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Like she's the mate. He Chucky is the mate. Yeah, the mate. He wants. She wants to be married. She wants Chucky, but he laughs at her. Yeah, the only reason she even reanimates him from part three. <laughs> Is because she's like, oh, I found this ring, and I thought you were going to propose to me. He's mm-hmm. like, what? I, yeah. I just stole that off of some rich lady. The thing's <laughs> worth $5,000. You think I was going to marry you? Right. And he laughs in her face. Yeah. And he like that's he like locks her up, and obviously he electrocutes her in, yeah. <laughs> in the bathtub. But she, in the, very, in the same way that she wants, you know, what she can't have. Yeah. That, that I think, is the greatest parallel. Yeah. Just so good. It is good. I love yeah. Brian Chucky. I love all of them. I watch every single one. I think it'd be like, Chucky fights samurais in right. space. And I'm like, I'm li- let's I'm buy in. a ticket. Um, well, and I, so, I mean, going back, I think it's so interesting. Um, and, I, and I think Whale was a big kind of proponent of this in terms that Elsa Lanchester was going to be Mary Shelley as mm-hmm. well as the bride. And I thought that was a really interesting thought process because she bookends the movie, one. Yeah. And for me, it was interesting because I feel like Mary Shelley nowadays is portrayed as, like, the ultimate goth icon. <laughs> yeah, definitely the like. first female science fiction author, yeah. undeniably. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, it, the way what I got out of it when I watched the movie. Because obviously, you look at her, that's Elsa Lanchester. Yeah. That's, even though she's playing Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. who later plays the main. I, I think as the author, everything is kind of uh, semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever I write, I, I, it's impossible for me to not put myself in the position of my hero or yeah. the uh, the uh, antagonist. Mm-hmm. So I think if if I was James Whale, that's what I would say. It's it's autobiographical. Yeah. 
Well, and it definitely paints a picture of what's really going on in her mind. Because Mary Shelley in the beginning is like sewing and she's like, oh, little old me. Oh, yeah. And then in the end, she's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, so, and whether it's like inner demons or not everything pretty is pretty on the inside or, you know, whatever that is, it's an, it's an interesting statement to make, I think, as, as a director. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if you watch the like, the opening credits, when mm-hmm. it, they're like, oh, okay, Boris, like, you know, Karloff the Uncanny is being Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. and Clive Owen is being the... They don't say when it's, like, Frankenstein's mate? Yeah. Question mark. They don't even mention it. <laughs> they don't even, like, give her that credit. Yeah. I think, in the end, I think she's listed as Yeah, well, Mary everybody... Shelley and- if you can, like, connect two dots, you go, that's well, the yeah. same lady. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Frankenstein's makeup. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about... Bride of Frankenstein's makeup because she's like full glamour. Like yeah, there she is, looks there beautiful. Is thought put into that face. There's a lot of thought. Well, first <laughs> of all, if you look at the the hair, that's like the queen. That's that's Nefertiti. Yeah, from Egypt. Yeah. Like, if you look at the bust of Nefertiti, T to a T. <laughs> yeah, it's it's identical. Yeah. And my favorite thing, another thing that like I can tell a poser from like a real person who actually likes right the movies. Whenever I see. Oh, makeup of her. Like, people are like, oh, this is my ode to... It's always black hair. Yeah. She had red, red hair. hair. She had red hair. Exactly. There's so many things that you look at it and it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the cleft chin, mm-hmm. the, like, rounded nose, mm-hmm. the Nefertiti hair that is red. Yeah. But everybody thinks of it as black. Because it's, it's in black and white. It's in black and white. But nobody thinks... But they still think of Frankenstein as green. And yeah. he was, like, yellow. He yeah. wasn't even green. <laughs> um, But... Huge fan of of drawing back from history to look at mm-hmm. that, and it's 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 obvious to us now, but I don't think it was as obvious in 1935. Yeah, that that was you know the bust of Nefertiti. Yeah, I think that took a little bit more research, and I, I think it's uh, undoubtedly one of the most effective makeups with really doing not as much work as you would think. Yeah. And it's like, because you look at her, she's wrapped in bandages from her <laughs> shoulders down to her fingertips. Yeah. And she's got like a sheet on. Yeah. And big old red wig <laughs> with like the like lightning stripe. Yeah. White going up the sides from mm-hmm. the sideburns. <laughs> those awesome eyebrows. Oh, huh? those iconic eyebrows. I can't get over it. I was like, I was doing some research and like watching people talk about this movie and I'm like, how is no one talking about her eyebrows? Like, well, I wonder, I wonder if. Like, Jack Pierce knew, he's like, I'm about to show some people with these eyebrows. <laughs> and just goes up. It was like Spock before Spock. Yeah. But like, somehow sexy. Oh, my gosh. The whole time, you're, like, waiting for the mate. You're waiting for the mate. Waiting for the mate. Yeah. And then you finally see her, and she doesn't speak. It's not like she comes out, and she's like, to whom it may concern. Right. <laughs> she just comes out, and she screams. Because she's as scared and misunderstood as Frankenstein is, she's even more scared. Mm -hmm. She's even newer to the game. She's real new. Yeah, Yeah. she's like being dropped in the middle of Monopoly when your whole family's (laughs) been playing for, you know, a year. Right. (laughs) And you're like, you're not used to this by now? Like, no, I'm brand new. I don't know what, why can't I buy any property? Right. (laughs) I have $2 and I'm in this game now. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And she just screams and she's terrified. She's like, I don't know what to think, but I know I don't like you. Which is awesome because, like, that's another big problem that you. Any TV show I watch nowadays, mm-hmm. any movie I watch, you see boy meets girl on a subway or whatever. They bump in, they knock papers out of each other's hands. Yeah, they go, "I'm so sorry." They like look at each other, like, "Oh my god!" And it's like love at first sight. Like, yeah. how unrealistic is that? <laughs> 
I've bumped into a lot of people on New York City right. subways. I have never fallen in love. <laughs> so the idea is like, you're dead. You're dead. Perfect. Yeah. It's like, nope. No. She doesn't like him. No. <laughs> well, I'm like, how, I mean, I guess to think like on a personal level, like if you're brand new to the game mm-hmm. and then you're all, all of a sudden confronted with someone who is like you, but who looks totally different from every other human you've seen <laughs> so far. Like, that's got to be super startling as well. Like, they had to have known there would be an adjustment period, at least a little, but I guess they were Yeah, I guess blinded. they were like, nope, they're going to fall in love immediately. It's like, <laughs> as bad as romantic as, like, studding horses. <laughs> like, who cares if they like each other? Get in there, Rex. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, gosh. I mean, and you, I, she's got to be, like, the most iconic horror lady yeah, she's like definitely OG. up there. Definitely OG. Yeah. Uh, I think Vampira pops oh, out to me. Yes. Elvira. Yes. Who, you know, successed uh, Vampira. Yeah. Uh, Lily Munster. Yeah. Huge. Definitely. And then Marticia Adams. Oh, I think they're like the I Mount Rushmore. So no, and absolutely. I mentioned of, of more than four. ladies. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned more than four, but that's like the Mount Rushmore of like weirdos like me, where yes. you like watch it as a kid and you're like, oh, the light turned on. Yeah, exactly. I like that. <laughs> More of that, please. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally true. And, like, my my dream is to have, like, every piece of furniture have, like, a spooky lady on it mm-hmm. of some kind. So I've got Bride. So Morticia eventually, Vampire eventually. It's like, yeah, yeah. That, that's my shit. <laughs> no, I'm in, the, I'm in the same exact boat. Yeah. Like, if, if I can find, like, a foul-mouthed, tattooed, like, broad, <laughs> yeah. which thankfully I do, yeah. be brand. <laughs> that's, like, that's my jam. I want that. More of that, please. <laughs> That's why you put a ring on it, right? Oh, yeah. I put a ring and many earrings and necklaces. (laughs) You were like, I got one. Got a keeper here. (laughs) Absolutely. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. On your engagement and marriage. Oh, thank you. Soon Soon, to be marriage. marriage. Every so often I try on the ring. Yeah. I wear it for like an afternoon or so. Yeah. And I'm like, sometimes it's a little loose. Yeah. I got to replace this. (laughs) And other times, like if I like, man, did I eat a lot of salt? This will not come (laughs) off my finger. I can't get it off. Oh, man. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you very much. So what is it about, what else about this movie do we love? Um, on top of just the the direction, the writing, yeah. and the cinematography. Besides everything. Yeah, besides <laughs> everything we've already discussed. The movie is it's just undeniable. You know why it's a successful movie? Why? People who have never seen Bride of Frankenstein know Bride of Frankenstein. It's true. That- Iconic. There are plenty of movies that I've never seen. You're like, who is this? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't think I can name all the Kardashian sisters. No. I don't know. There's a thousand <laughs> of them. But that's a successful movie. If yeah. you can point, if you went on the street in New York City, you're like, who is this? They go, that's Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, like, have you ever seen Frankenstein? Like, no. No. <laughs> Obviously, like, that is a su- that's successful. Yeah. It's the same reason why Dracula, Creature of the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. Wolfman, even more like contemporary movies like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Jason Voorhees, like, mm-hmm. uh, Friday the 13th, yeah. Halloween. Halloween. You don't have to watch those movies. No. You know them. They you are know it. relevant enough in pop culture. But what makes it even more successful being made, it's, those movies were made in 1935. Yeah. Those movies, when those movies were made, your grandparents weren't alive. <laughs> Why do you know them? Yeah. Why are they still relevant yeah. in, a, in a, an age where things are cool for a second exactly. and they're not. Like I could 
let's say I had a kid tomorrow. I could show him music that was popular when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, who is, you know, who's that? Like, yeah. Vanilla Ice has not really <laughs> held up to this to the test of time. And that was only 30, that's haven't been 30 years. I know. We're talking about 75, almost 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah. These people are still holding up to the scrutiny of time. It's so true. And I mean, and it and you know goes what? for everything. And 80 years from now, people will still know Bride of Frankenstein. Absolutely. I totally agree. And there, I mean, again, there's just, there's so much thought, I think, that went into this movie, like, between history, between you know, creative design. I mean, I, like, one of the first thoughts I had in this movie all the way through was, like, the, the women's costumes in this movie are so beautiful. I mean, the first time you yeah, see Elizabeth. Yeah, I wonder Elizabeth, what the budget was. Oh, I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> Well, the budget, the budget for the whole movie is half, less than half a million. Right. You, know, you made a movie. I couldn't make a like a, a, a NYU college film right? thesis for <laughs> half a million dollars. Yeah. It's like you have to be so intelligent to be like, all right, we have X amount of money. How are we going to do this? Because like even the first time you see Elizabeth, she's in this gorgeous like all white getup, like a mm-hmm. snow angel coming out and like. She has this really amazing characteristics about her when she's like, oh, she, he's dead. He's dead. What am I going to do? And like yeah, her arms are flailing. Very yeah, it's just it's just so beautifully done. I, well, because they knew they had to win you on more because film was so grainy. It yeah. wasn't you had to win. It wasn't enough to have good actors. It wasn't mm-hmm. enough to have a good score or a good director or good acting. The visuals need to sell it. Yeah. It's like a picture book. Yeah. Almost. And it has all those elements, too. I mean, even oh, the yeah. score. Everybody has their own theme. The bride has one. The monster has one. Yeah. It, you know why? Because everybody's their own tragic hero. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of movies can accomplish that. Mm. How is everybody the tragic hero? Yeah. <laughs> Except for Dr. Pretorius. Well, yeah. He's How just... is, yeah, He's like, nah, I just want to do shit. <laughs> yeah. So he's literally like, I want to play God throughout yeah. most of this movie. It's funny you even say that because a lot of like the censors uh, uh, of what they did right. in, in the 1930s. They were like, you can't, you can't make him out to be. Un- enough people recognize, like, you can't be God, and Frankenstein's monster can't be Jesus because he's right. a very flawed person. <laughs> of course, he's a flawed person. That's why people like him, right? It's like, no, no, you can't. We can't have the murder and the mayhem mm-hmm. and the abomination of some human being playing God, right? It's like, you know, this is fictitious, right? <laughs> you know, you can't just go around digging people up and bringing them back to life, yeah. But they didn't. Like, that was a big thing. I I know like in a lot of European and, and Asian countries, they cut that stuff out that you couldn't be God. Yeah. Where you and you certainly couldn't make this like ugly, hideous Frankenstein's monster Jesus be like a symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. Because like there was even a scene. It was very Quasimodo where <laughs> they like had him tied to like a post and were oh, beating him. Oh yeah. And that got cut. They don't have it in the movie. Because mm, it's so sad. Yeah, it's, it's sad enough. It, yeah. There's enough tragedy in that movie. I think they get their point across. But like, how is it that Doctor Frankenstein could be the tragic hero? Frankenstein's monster is a tragic hero, and a character who's the titular character. Right. She's in it for <laughs> maybe fifty seconds. Maybe is also the like arguably the tragic hero of that story. Yeah, it's just successful everywhere. It just it gets every single thing. Yes, it's not funny. That's the only <laughs> problem with that movie. There's no there's no comedic relief. Well, I mean, there's Minnie, the maid. The screen. She, like, um, the the Dr. Frankenstein's, like, housemaid or something. Yeah, the one who screams all the time. Yeah, she's always screaming. So, like, she's kind of funny. It's funny you even mention her because she is in The Invisible Man. Yeah, I was going to say. And it's the same character. It's the same director. 
<laughs> you can argue that they're even the same universe <laughs> where she like screams her head off mm-hmm. because you know that's it. We didn't talk about uh, the Invisible Man. Maybe next time, if, right. if you invite me back, we can talk about that. <laughs> I'd be happy to have you back. I'll come back. I got a lot of movies I like, <laughs> and I like to talk. Well, and what what really excited me when you were like, I want to talk about Bride of Frankenstein, is it's, one, it's the oldest movie that I've talked about mm-hmm. so far on this podcast. And two, as someone who loves film history, I was like, yes, give me a 1930s movie. <laughs> They just nail it. Every single yeah. thing, like every aspect of a movie that you need to cross off, they nail it. Mm-hmm. And and on top of nailing it in a time where nobody knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. it created, it was a predecessor for other movies going forward in like the blueprint. They laid the the blueprint. Absolutely. On how to do things. You're like, well, what, what should we do? Like, well, let's see what James Whale did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then let me ask you, as someone who loves this movie, we've seen a lot of reimaginings, redos of Frankenstein as a whole. Do mm. you think they'll ever touch Bride of Frankenstein? Because I, it is such a like quintessential, iconic, practically perfect movie. I think it's inevitable that eventually yeah. they'll touch it because it's so perfect. Yeah. That they're like, people want to see this. I yeah. think it's inevitable. <laughs> um, and there's probably, if you look back and do a little bit of, re- you, you'll probably find some instances where they pull from Bride of Frankenstein. Probably. Um, yeah, I, I think it's inevitable. Like, what's the saying that like there's there hasn't been an original thought since the Iliad. Yeah. So there's no ideas, yeah. new ideas under the sun. Everything. So they're going to take that, and I'm not even mad at it. I think Bride of Frankenstein. Like, if you said we're going to make a sequel to Frankenstein, like why? It was perfect. <laughs> why would you touch it? And Bride of Frankenstein's a thousand times better. Yeah. Way better. It's so much better than than Frankenstein. So, and I'm not one of those people like. To take away from, like, there's plenty of movies I don't like. It doesn't take away from how good the original was. It never does. It's like, a a good movie is a good movie. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep capitalizing on that and going forward and yes, anding it and to see what you can do, I mean, yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think you're going to, like, put lightning in a bottle, I think that's silly. Yeah. But if if you're just like, yeah, people like Child's Play, let's make Child's Play 10. (laughs) The Samurais in Space. Right. Whatever. (laughs) Sign like me up. I'll, I'll still watch it, right? Even if it's terrible, yeah, it doesn't take away it with how good the original Child's Play was. It right. Never could. <laughs> I haven't seen the new Child's Play with Mark Hamill. I was going to say, did you see it? Because I, I have seen not. It yet. No, I'm not against watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, regardless of how good or bad it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't take away with how good, yeah, the original, you know, Don Mancini film is. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's so nice to talk to you. Very nice to talk to you. <laughs> Sorry. I, I miss everybody right here. I, I'm. Pretty much just by myself in Georgia all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Nah, it's cool. I chose that life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's basically all of my notes, but I oh, can yeah. keep talking to you for forever. Oh, yeah. It's so I nice got, to see you. We didn't even have to talk about movies. I can talk yeah. about anything. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think, because, like, I mean, that's, it's, it's during the classic Universal Monster era. Hmm. Actually, so, actually, funny story. I, so I was in Universal in September with Sean's family. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Halloween Horror Nights, and they have a whole room devoted to classic, you know, universal monsters. So every room that you go into is like one of those haunted houses, and you go, every single room has a different um, monster that it's attributed to. So it has one for Hunchback and one for Dracula and all that stuff. We got to the Frankenstein room, and they had the Bride of Frankenstein at the very end. She pops out and just screams at you. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. <laughs> so excited. Was that uh, an actor or an animatronic? It was an actor. Okay, cool. Yeah. So like she had, I think it was red hair, but it was also really dark. So like I couldn't tell, but like she had the full get up on and I was like, I love you. And she came out and screamed right in my face. It was the best day. <laughs> yeah, that sounds sweet. I've had a, I actually haven't been at Universal since I was like nine. Yeah. But every time I know somebody who goes there, like they send me pictures like, what, like, what do you think of this? Like, Look at this. <laughs> like, yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm, I'd probably try to steal it if right. I thought, if I thought I can get away with it. Hell yeah. Right. I'd steal it. So let me ask you a fun question. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been on a date so bad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you would say like, wow, this is like when the bride met Frankenstein. No, Frankenstein I, monster. I, I've been on many bad dates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even bad dates that were so bad that I was like, I cannot wait till this ends. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever like, were you ever on OkCupid? No. I was on that for yeah. a little while. And I would go on dates. And I, I am very on purpose, not the best version of myself. Yeah. When I go on dates. Yeah. Because I want them to know like the realm of possibilities. Because <laughs> you're never more likable than you are on your first date. Yeah. Like, you look for excuses to like the person. Yeah. Therefore, I purposely like I'll say like an off-color joke. Mm-hmm. I'll like be a little mean. Yeah. And uh, uh it I can think of two. Yeah. That were really bad from Jump Street. They're bad. <laughs> Did either of them scream in your face? No, no, but they uh, they were pretty passive, but they did not like me. No. So one, uh, I actually remember the names, but I won't say them. Okay. Girl one, A. Girl A. <laughs> let's say blonde girl. Okay. We went out, I went out with blonde girl. She uh, was going to a college in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and she invited me to this um, coffee place. And it wasn't Starbucks. It wasn't no $2 coffee. It was right. expensive coffee. <laughs> I want that to be clear. Right. And I go up there and I order a black coffee, no sugar, nothing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'll have a hot chocolate. And I go, hot chocolate? What are you, a, what are you, a child? Hot chocolate. You know, and she like gets me the phone. She did not find the humor oh, in that. Oh, no. Which I thought I was being playful. Right. Also kind of annoyed. I'm like, right. why am I buying you a $7 hot chocolate right, right now? <laughs> and then we said, but we never made it back. There oh. was no, like immediately after I shamed her for buying a children's drink. <laughs> There was no coming back from it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, peace. Like, it was it was so bad we didn't even, like, shake hands or hug. It was like, all right. Oh, uh, it's like, this did not. Yeah, I'll see you later. Good luck with all your endeavors. <laughs> right. Uh, and another girl I was dating also was going to school in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Another expensive coffee date. <laughs> and we were, like, walking around. But she had told me, she, she told me uh, that she was Persian. Oh. And I was like, there is no Persia. You mean I? You're Iranian. Your family's from Iran, right? And she's like, "No, no, no." We say Persia. I'm like, "No, I get it. I'm not. I'm, I don't care that your your family's Iranian. Right. I don't. I'm not. I don't mind. Yeah. But you're from Iran." And she's like, "It's Persia. It's Persia. Like, there's no Persia. Not in our lifetime." Right. And again, Persia's I was been just, gone for a long time. Yeah. Well, I was just kind of being playful in my mind. Yeah. It's like, what are you trying to church up right now, saying that you're <laughs> Persian? You're Iranian. Your family's from Iran. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but Own she, it. Yeah. I was like, you trying to pull a fast You think I'm stupid? <laughs> trying to pull a fast one on me? Uh, but that was... Did not end well. <laughs> it certainly didn't end well. There was no getting back from it. There was no... Because yeah. I made fun of her family's, where she came from. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking about, like, she would 
she was a pianist, so she like knew classical music on the piano. Mm-hmm. And she, I obviously was working in movies, and she's like, I don't like movies. Like, well, what do you mean you don't like movies? <laughs> and she's like, Well, like I once I know um like a movie, like I know how it ends, so I don't like watching a movie more than once. Like you like listening to a song more than once. You memorize music right. to play on a piano. <laughs> I assume you've listened to it more than once. Right. But you can still find enjoyment in it. She's like, I just don't like it. <laughs> and even then I was like, all right, peace. Not going to work. <laughs> yeah. She was meeting a girlfriend at the subway and I didn't even walk her all the way down. I'm like, I'm not paying the 250 to see you off. Right. Peace. Bounce. <laughs> Gotta get out of here. Yeah. Have a nice time. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. No, no. I, I found Brianne. Well, that's true. I'm good. Yeah. It and worked out. For, Honestly, I have just, on, if I'm on a date, mm-hmm. I'm going to have fun with or without you. Yeah. If, if you're cool, let's, let's, let's party. Let's have a good time. Yeah. If you're fucking weird, <laughs> I'm going to have, I'm going to laugh. I'm going right. to have a good time. Whether or not you're involved is kind of up to you. Yeah. That's a good way to look at life though. Yeah. Like being your own independent person and having it's a good It's going to be time. funny. No matter, everything is, is copy. Yeah. Everything is funny. <laughs> So whether, if you want to laugh with me, that's mm-hmm. cool. If not, I'll laugh about you later. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure people have laughed about me. I'm sure. I'm sure. I actually know for a fact I've said some not cool things that I thought were cool. Yeah. And like, even after I say them, I'm like, man, that did not come off <laughs> the way I intended that to come off. Oh, yeah. I've heard them. I've heard yeah. a couple of them throughout the year. <laughs> and you know what? It's fine. Everybody goes home and goes to yeah. separate ways. Man, take the L. Yeah. Take the L. <laughs> So is there anything else we could, I mean, possibly say about this movie that hasn't um, been said yet here, other than that it's perfect? <laughs> it really is. Just soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. Alpha to omega. Perfect. Just in its execution. There, I, the, only thing, the only other thing I know what, whatsoever to say is that there are people who are like, oh, well, there's a lot of like gay subtext in it. I've oh, never- Definitely. Well, actually, I never got that. Really? No. No. I, I know they say Dr. Pretorius is like a gay subtext person. Mm-hmm. I, I never saw that. But everybody has their own opinions of things. And it's, we can't tell production what that movie meant. And they can't tell us what we get from it. I, I'm a big believer in that. I have my opinion and you can have your opinion and we can all be exposed to the same thing. Yeah. But you can't. In the same way, you can't tell me what something means. I can't tell you what it means. You can't tell me what they meant by it. Mm-hmm. No, um, I and absolutely I, agree. I think that's what that's what's so great about it. Like with my tattoos, like I have like the Jersey Devil tattooed on me. <laughs> There's some people might say like, "Oh, that's devil worshiping. That's cruel. That's." Uh, I'm like, well, that's your opinion. You yeah. can, you can feel that I have evil tattoos, <laughs> um, but you can't tell me what the tattoo means. Right. You can't tell me what I meant by it when I got the tattoo. Yeah, and I I just let that. Go the way that it's going to be. You have your opinion. I can't tell you how to feel about it. And yeah. you can't tell me what I mean by when I got by it. Well, and I, I, I go back and forth because on one hand, I really love talking to people who have different opinions than I do. Because in, especially in movies, it's like you're seeing things that I am not necessarily seeing because you have your own experience, whatever. And like, so the fact that you didn't see that and like looking back, I don't think I initially saw it like my first run through and then like doing research and stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see it like on the back end, but it's an, I think it's an interesting way to continue conversations about something that was made 75 years ago. Well, we don't, we don't all see the same. Everybody looks different to everybody else. Yes. And that's, I think it's good. I'm actually, I've talked about, I actually was talking about this like last week. <laughs> I was like, imagine a movie 
where the same actor is played by Michael Fassbender or your, your <laughs> Queen Phoenix, depending on your perspective of him based off of the perspective of the other character. Whoa. Because, like, the wife might see Michael Fassbender, somebody who's like, because they kind of look alike. Right. But it's like, this guy is strong. He's confident. He's He takes what he wants and mm-hmm. he doesn't take any shit. And then you might look at, like, your Queen Phoenix and he's a little, like, more pygmy and like yeah mo- like a melancholic more little, passive little gawky somebody that you can like kick around a little bit yeah and it's like but everybody feels that way everybody has some sort of body dysmorphia i don't look like i hate to say it when i look at you and when and when sean looks at you we see different people yeah we literally see different people yeah like how many times do you watch my 600 pound life oh and my like gosh. they're married <laughs> and like you're the most beautiful person in the world and i look at it and i'm like you're the worst person I've seen yeah. today. <laughs> it's like we literally, we literally don't see the same person. No, absolutely. When I, when I look at Brienne, it's different than when her boss looks at her. Yeah, it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be an interesting thing in a movie if you like the character changed, the actor changed, the yep. character was the same, based off of who sees him, who sees him, the perspective of who. Yeah, who has it? The you know? perspective of who? It's a great movie title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's impossible. Yeah. You look at some people like, oh my God. And then other people are like, you're beautiful, my queen. How many times right. like, how many times I check Instagram and somebody else is engaged and they're like, yeah. my queen, the most beautiful woman who's ever uh. lived. And I'm like, have you seen other women? Right. <laughs> Dude, you you picked a, 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 a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> I was got from one to ten, you got a two. <laughs> and that's only because she knows her own name. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> But, it, no, but it's everybody so true. sees things different. It's the same thing when we listen to music. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. There's people that I know love, like, screamo and, yeah. like, heavy metal. I can't stand it. It's an mm-hmm. assault on my senses. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But they love it. How is that possible? How is it possible <laughs> that we listen to the same song and they, like, jam their head to it and yeah. I, like, want to slip my own wrists? Right. <laughs> it's, we literally, we're not hearing the same thing. We mm-hmm. don't have the same experiences. We don't have the same perspective. Everything about it is different. We yeah. literally hear different music. Yeah crazy sean's like that with abba i i love abba it's like my guilty pleasure i, I love take everything. a chance on yes take oh, a yeah. chance take a chance he can't stand it he's like i don't understand what you're hearing this is really cheesy and i'm like you hear different you, you're listening it's more than an opinion i yeah. think you're literally hearing different music hmm it's an interesting thought just continually like oh we can even that's go, gonna mess me up for a while man well we can go farther <laughs> who's to say like What's your favorite color? Mm, purple. I hate purple. <laughs> hate it. Yeah. Purple is hideous. Mm-hmm. How is that? How can we both have the same like vehemently like strong feelings on something? Yeah. I I don't think we see the same color. Yeah. No way. It's impossible. But somehow we've all linked it up. Of uh, like everyone, like I can look at that box and say that's red. Yeah. And you can also look at it and say that's red. But we but don't see the same red. Red we're not means the same red. Red means different to you. Red is different to you than it yeah. is to me. It's impossible. Yeah. You see, you go through my right. wardrobe. You will not find anything purple. <laughs> you will not see anything purple in my house. Right. I'm not naming anything purple. Mm-hmm. I won't even play purple in a game of sorry. <laughs> but you love it. How is mm-hmm. that? Pop? It's different. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And. uh... I didn't mean to get that deep, though. No, no, please. That's what this podcast is for, and oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's 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 fun because I have you know my close friends, 
Like, I've known you for, like, what, over 10 years? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. We, for we almost graduated 10 years ago. We've oh, known each other. Gosh. <laughs> we met in 2007. Yeah. So it's been 12, almost, it's been 12 years. Ugh. First of all, ugh. Yeah, it's that's that's so half long. our life almost. I know. You've Pretty soon, there'll be more time where you knew me than when you didn't know me. Ugh. How poetic of you. I know. <laughs> but, like, so, like, I have my close friends on here, and... One, I learn new things about them. Like, I didn't know that you hated purple. Now I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two, I feel like all of these kind of organically go into some kind of deeper topic or feeling or thought or something or other. And it's just, you know, how we relate to movies and how we relate to life and oh, yeah. all that good stuff. Well, everybody, reality is different for everybody. Yeah. I, I strongly believe that. I think that's true. I'm not sure there's anything else to say. No, but I mean, I, I really want to thank you for bringing me on of and asking me to be a part of this. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you for making time. Yeah, of course. Of course. Do you have anything that you want to plug, like your Instagram or anything? Um, If anybody is so inclined, uh, it's just my name, Anthony Canonica, on Instagram, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-C-A-N-O-N-I-C-A. Uh, I, I want to start my own burger restaurant. That's <laughs> ugly burger. Ugly, like in... The way that I feel about purple. <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for picking a wonderful movie. Uh, that, a perfect movie. Thank you. Really. And I hope to have you back on soon. Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. We'll finish our whiskey and, and have a good time. I already finished my whiskey a few minutes ago. Ah! <laughs> That's okay. You can pour me more. Okay. All right. Then let's do that. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> A huge thank you to my good friend, Anthony Canonica, for coming on the show and talking about his favorite film, Bride of Frankenstein. It was such a pleasure to reconnect with an old friend, as well as be able to talk about classic universal horror and classic horror films in general. Additionally, a fun little tidbit is that as of this episode launching, November 13th, 2020, Anthony should be getting married right now. Uh, He is doing a COVID wedding, as many of our friends and family members are, and him and his fiance, probably wife by now, Brianne, uh, will be having a lovely backyard wedding uh, to fulfill their spooky fantasy, and we'll get married with a full celebration next year, as long as COVID doesn't cancel any more plans. (laughs) So a huge congratulations to the two of them. Hope for nothing but spooky happiness for the two of you. And additionally, if you were curious if people actually were interested in remaking Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein, there is a rumor going around that Guillermo del Toro is interested. Now, as of an article that I found back in July of 2020, it sounds like he is interested in perhaps looking into the project. But it also looks like Universal is interested in remaking a lot of the classic Universal horror films. So I guess we'll just have to cross our fingers, wait, and see if Guillermo del Toro will grace us with another beautiful rendition of classic literature, vibes, spooky. I mean, if Crimson Peak is any indication of how a Frankenstein adaptation by him would go, I'm excited. I'm ready to buckle up. You have my money. I will buy a ticket right now. (laughs) But regardless of all that, I hope I did Mary Shelley proud today with our interview about 
Bride of Frankenstein and our continued love of Frankenstein in general. Lastly, of course, don't forget to tell your family and friends to subscribe. And if you haven't subscribed or listened to episodes one through seven, then what are you waiting for? And while you are hitting that subscribe button, don't forget to rate and review the show as well. Make sure you tell your family and friends to do so because it helps us out a lot. And I would love to know your guys' thoughts on what we've been doing here. And if you can't wait for any more film content, if once a week just is not enough for you, head on over to our Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. Or you can also check out our TikTok at scopophilia the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, the podcast. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye.